Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, right. Well, yes. I, is there anybody here that doesn't know me? <laughs> Thanks, Jane. Um, yeah, so I don't have to introduce myself as Mary. You know, we, we're here because we're giving um, our good guys the rest. Um, and I'm not going to climb up on here too much because I'm going to be wandering up and down here. But I do need... Okay, first of all, let me just say that um, some years ago, I used to come and do this service every year for a while. And I used to call it my um, Christmas lecture, St. Matt's Christmas lecture, um, based on the Royal Institute Christmas lectures. Who watches the Royal Institute Christmas lectures? Oh, for goodness sakes, there's more scientists here, surely. Anyway, they are good, um, but St. Matthew's Christmas lectures are even better. Um, and yes, I'll have you helping me in a minute. You promise? Good. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to, first of all, I want to volunteer. Who's going to be my first volunteer? I need somebody that can count forever. Okay, um, red jumper, up you come. And forgive me if I don't get the names right. In fact, you might have to both do this, so you can take it back to your place. What this is, is three pinches of sand that I've stuck with sellotape. I want you to count them. Okay, just have a look. Are there lots there? There's quite a lot there. Okay, so off you go. You can perhaps start at one end, and your friend can start at the other end, and you can, I'll call you up later when you've finished counting. <laughs> right? Or you can sit here and count. I don't mind where you are. Okay, um, so... That's going to be going on. Let me, I have to keep looking down at this. We appreciate that I don't know where I am otherwise. Um, and then the other thing, I want a few more volunteers, but you can stay where you are, all right? What I need this time is people who can write, all right, because I want you to write something about who you are. This is what I'm basing my lecture on today, is who are we? It is actually inspired by last year's Christmas lectures, um, at the Royal Institute, which was, who am I? And it was all about genetics, <laughs> and I love genetics. So, who are we? So, you'll find a piece of paper at the end. If you do want to write something, grab the piece of white paper at the end, grab a pen, and just write who you are. Just write who you are. If you can do that, there you are. And um, what I need is somebody to collect, somebody to collect them. So, when you have written... We have got a collector down here. No, just who do you think you are? Um, whatever, Mary. They can be, um, it can be just be a name, and you can collect some as well. Who you are, who you think you are. You might just be more than your name. All right, and whilst you're doing that, I'm going to be setting up over here. Okay, you're writing it down. That's, that's grown-ups as well, you know. I want you all to do something. And the other thing is, which I didn't warn you about, is that I shall be taking one or two out, perhaps later on, and reading them anonymously. Okay. Um, Ian, Ian, do you think you could move the big stand out the way? Because I'm... That's it, whatever it's called, the lectern thingy. And that can go down. Can that go down a step? Right, how many have we got in our boxes? Have we got quite a lot in our baskets? That's lovely, Ian, thank you. If I do want any more, I'll ask. Yes, we've got a few. Yeah. 
I'm afraid you're going to have to have lots of imagination for this. When I first did this, I could jump down from the top one. <clears throat> okay, so have we got our baskets full? No, one or two, good. We'll just pop them down on here because I'm going to come to those a little bit later. Okay, so as I said, last year's um, lecture at the Royal Institute was on genetics, and so that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to give you a little bit of genetics, all right? So you're going to find out where you come from. Okay, I mean, I love it because um, I love the fact that I've inherited my characteristics from my mum and my dad, and they inherited them from their mums and their dads, and I've passed them on to my children. I think it's lovely. I love it. Anyway, so there was somebody else, though, that started a long time before me working on genetics, and it was a guy called Mendel. Has anybody heard of Mendel? Not the, not the one that composes, but Mendel. Okay, and he was an Austrian monk. And his dad, we believe, was a market gardener. So when he went into the monastery, the abbot thought, oh, he'll do well in the garden. So they stuck him in the garden to grow the veg for the monastery. All right. And um, when he was there, he, over the years, he noticed that the pea plants were handing down characteristics. And so what I need now, because what he discovered, and I'm going to read this, he discovered, and it took him years to do it, that the characteristics of pea plants were passed down, that there were two factors for each characteristic, and that they could be dominant or not. Okay, confused? Let me make it easier. I need now two volunteer parent pea plants. Okay, you two. Your hands are up straight away, down you come. You can be my parent pea plants. <clears throat> All right? And one of you is going to be purebred white flower pea plant. Oh, did you want white? Do you mind? Yes. Okay. Oh, you wanted the purple. Good. Okay. Right. So now you are going to be the purebred white flowered pea plant. And you are going to be the purebred, no, okay, yes, purebred, not bread as in eat it, um, purple flowered so now you've got your white flower on and you've got your purple flower on. I'm sorry, it's a bit dangly. All right? But what Mendel knew was that for each of those characteristics, all right, you had two factors. And as you are purebred white here, chromosomes, what do you think, guys? <coughs> Genes. <laughs> okay, so there's your bunch of chromosomes, okay? And in every single cell of your body, put your hand up because you can hold these. You can just hold them, okay? That's your bunch of chromosomes, and you have a set like that in each cell of your body, and in each set you have two factors for white flower. And same here for you, okay? And your favorite is purple. So you have got your purple set of chromosomes. You've got two purple flowers on your chromosomes representing the genes or the factors. All right? Now, what's going to be really exciting here, let me just make sure I'm getting it in the right order, guys. Okay, now, I now need two more possible peas. Okay, you'll be a possible pea, 
Yes, and you can be a possible bee. Come on, that's it. And I want you to, now a few parents, parent pea plants can stand here. Now you've got to sit on there because that is a pea pod. <laughs> okay, I've, I've got your imaginations going. They're going to sit on this green stool here. That's two of you. It, it is safe. It's all right. Don't worry if you tear the tissue, the green tissue. Right, so you are two possible peas growing in a pea pod. All right, are we there? Now, you are going to make half cells. So can you divide your chromosome pairs into two? Just take the little clip off. Hang on, let me show you. She's ripping it to pieces. Oh, there you go. Okay, so now you have got half cells. And what happens is, all right, you will be giving a half cell each to these developing ones. So do you want to go and give, you go and give them there, half cell each, so you, that's your half cell, and that's your half cell. You're not ready yet because we've got to pollinate you when we need an insect, we need a bee. We need a bee. We've got bee. <laughs> so, so bee, will you just buzz on down here? <laughs> and would you please pollinate using these half cells from this parent plant Pollinate those little developing peas over there. One each. Well done, you guys. You're going to stand here. You've done your main bit. That's it. Parents, you're finished now. <laughs> Is it really like that? No, I'm going to need you for a bit more pollinating in a minute. All right. But of course, pea, parent, pea, pea plants, they've got it made, haven't they? <laughs> no teenagers, no nothing. Okay. So now you guys, what you've, well, you've got here one of each. All right. And you've got here one of each. Amazing. So now, what would you have thought if they've got one of each and the fact is there, what do you thought their colour pea plant flower would be? Pale purple. Pale purple? Mixed? But actually, they weren't. What happened was that next generation were both purple. Can I just put it on there? Is that all right? There you go. Oh, no, hang on a minute. Can you? Yes, you just hold it. There we go. And you are purple as well. Let me see if I can do better here. Oh, you hold it as well? Yeah. Okay, so there you go. All right, they both got purple flowers because purple dominates white. In this instant, not always, but in this instant, purple dominates white. So they are purple, but they carry a white factor. Look, look at their jeans. They're carrying, yes, don't drop your jeans in everywhere, all right, because you're going to need those in a minute. All right. Yes, he's going to put his jeans on his jeans. I love that. Okay, so but now we're going to take this one step further. I'm going to have a few, need a few more possible peas. I want four possible peas. <laughs> one, two. How's the counting going on, by the way? Whoa. Three. I need a fourth pea. Four. Here we go. Oh, you know where you'll play. Sit. Stay. What do you want, darling? Okay, there. There we go. We've got our... You sit here, sweetheart. That's it. And then you sit there. Okay, so now we've got four more developing peas. Now, you guys are going to need a bit of extra um, chromosomes on here, because, another cell to make out of, because I realize that I need some more. Just talk amongst yourselves for a minute whilst I get a few more chromosomes and cells going. Because in every cell of their bodies... In every cell of their bodies, they have got, that's another set for you and another set for you. Okay. Now, I want you guys here, your first generation, I want you, if you like to get up, you can be the first one, you get up and can you give, split your cells now to make half cells and give a half cell to each one of these guys here. 
There you go. You enjoying this? Thank you all for coming. It looked a bit bare when I first came in this morning. <laughs> Quite a relief, really, isn't it, Mary? All right, so, okay, now, where's our buzzy bee? Now, he's just made all the pollen cells, so can you pick up the pollen cells? But before you do that, let's just have a look at the Punnett square that we made with this one. I forgot that one. Have we got, oh, we got it up there. When we did these guys here, all right, they, she, she had all the purples. No, who had the purples? You had all the purples, all right? So she put hers, her two purple ones at the top there, two white ones there. Can we have the next slide? That was the possibility of any mix of the pollen and the other cells. And any mix was purple and white, purple and white, purple and white, purple and white, which was what they were representing. Now, B, I want you to take those and give them here. And let's just have one there. The white one can go to there, easy enough. Where did your little one go? There is. Okay. And then can you... Give the white one there, that's good. And so now of the next Punnett square, to show an easy way of mixing them together, all right, we've got our purple and white jeans up there and our purple and white there. Whichever way they manage to join together, you will get one that has got two purple jeans, stand up two purple jeans. What color do you suppose this flower is going to be when it pops? A purple flower. You're going to be purple, marvelous. So there's your purple flower. Because you are purebred purple. Marvellous. Okay, what about the next one? Stand up. Let's see what you've got there. You are purebred white. And there it is. Look, purebred white. And the next two, what are you going to be? Purple. Yes, because you're carrying a white gene, but purple is dominant. So you are purple flowers. Look at this. So you are a purple flower. Let's get that on and this one's going to hook over, darling. I'm going to hook it over the top. Is that all right, just for now? You can take it off later. Do you know what I forgot to do? Because I've got something here that's going to be... Hang on, let's just see if I can liven up a bit. <laughs> I may have done that earlier, but I was so nervous I forgot. I wanted to extend Christmas festivities. Um, okay, so here we go. We've got purebred purple, purebred white that made a load of purple flowering offspring that made for the second generation some purebred purples, some ordinary mixed purples and a purebred white one that was being carried. So not here, we didn't get white generation here, but we did here. So it skipped a generation. All right, now I know that you'll see that that happens with your own families. I mean, it's not as though we've got families in here that we would never recognize the children who they came from, you know. <laughs> so, all right, um, but I just love it. I love the fact that we do inherit what we've got. Now, I think that these guys need a great big hand of applause because they've done very, very well. You can go and sit down now. You can take them all. You can either leave your flowers or you can take them. I don't mind. Just pile them on there if you don't want them. That's good. So there you go. You've learned a bit of genetics this morning. Let's just see that I haven't forgotten anything. Okay, so uh, that's, that's just a bit of fun for the, for the genetics there. And there's been a lot more research done since then. Um, although Mendel's basic theories still stand today, but there's a lot more things that we found out um, about genes. Um, but what's this got to do with the Sunday talk? What's it got to do with who are we? Well, it's 
it's just a, a bit of fun to say that we are um, <clears throat> a mixture of characteristics that we've inherited. But now we've grown up and we can easily be seen who we are. Is that all we are? Is it all we are? Are we just what our genes say we are? Um, I don't think it is. I don't think it's all I am. Um, the, the genes are my physical side, but it's my, my personality, my, who I am as a person. All right. Um, that might be, have a little bit to do with the genes, but most of that is the influences on me when I grew up. And I think that um, Hannah Maswigwa talked a bit about that last time, um, last term, in one of her talks about we are, um, we, we, we are who we are because of the influences on us when we were younger. Um, so it can be our genes, and it can be um, how we are brought up, but I don't think that's the only thing that defines us. I think that there is more to it than that. Um, now, I, I did ask, are, are you all right if I read one or two of these out, who you think you are? Okay, so let's just go look here. I am a son, a father, a husband, a brother. I am a child of God. I love that. I love that. That is brilliant. Okay, let's have another one here. I am... <laughs> I am tall, bold, and I can paint ceiling without a ladder. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Could be anyone. Could be absolutely anyone, nearly. Okay. Oh, this is somebody saying, I am Clementine, but mummy has written, she is my world. I love her. I think that is amazing. And there's lots of other ones there. There's loads of things in there, and I love that. Um, and, and most of those are going to be permanent, I'm afraid. <laughs> but sometimes you write things down that are not going to be permanent. Um, it might change. Um, I think we've got... Oh, you are so good, Brian. He's keeping up with me brilliantly. Um, but the, the, I think there's a fourth thing that's going to be here. I think it's not just our genes. It's not just the influence around us. It's not just who we think we are. But it is also who God thinks we are. And I think that is the big question. And the psalm, now is anybody um, willing, to, can somebody quickly look up Psalm 8 on there, or in, or somewhere, and just read Psalm 8 for me? Or can we find it up here? Yes, Mary, there you go. That's, I wasn't quite organized enough to do that one, Mary, so I'm sorry. Psalm 8, it's, it's a moderately short one. This one? Can we do this one, Graham? Yeah, is that right? Oh, he's on the screen. Oh. So there we go, Mary. Read Do you want me to read it at the same time? Yeah. O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise. Because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands and put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. 
Mary, thanks so much for that. And thank you, Brian, for popping that up on there. Um, now, David wrote this psalm. And as we know, David started off by being a shepherd, or he ended up by being a king. Um, but I'd like to imagine that it was the night time and that the sheep were more or less asleep on the fields um, and that David was lying there not able to get to sleep completely because of the sheep on the fields what do sheep do? they go yeah, they do. oh no that's a brilliant one can you just do that into here? <laughs> I think that's like so of course, he, of course David could not get to sleep so he would just lie there and we've actually got quite a good sample here and he would be able to look at the stars in the sky now look at this those days there was no light pollution at all was there okay so they could see so clearly all the stars all right and apparently um and i think i said a little bit later on there are if we if we are able to count with our eyes not with monoculars and things we could possibly count six thousand on an average night on a good night probably near the equator with no light interference okay now um the sand just remind me how many did you count A bit louder 671 can I have a little bit of card 671 on here <laughs> that's grains of sand now in the 1980s does anybody remember Carl Sagan wrote cosmos and in that book he wrote that there were probably more stars in the heavens than grains of sand on all the beaches of the world Okay, so of course you can imagine that triggers people's imagination and excitement. And um, a university in Hawaii decided that they would actually try and test this out, at least on the first bit. So they started to see how they could work out um, uh, whether, how many grains of sand there were on all the beaches of all the world. We're not counting the Namib Desert or Sahara, we're just counting the beaches. So what they did was they got the, an average grain of sand. Yeah, I think that one's an average one. Okay and they measured its volume, okay? Then they went to the maps, looked at where all the beaches were, measured the length of them, added the length all together, got a rough idea of how deep they might have been and how wide once the tide was out. Let's just pretend they did it when the tide was out. Okay, so they got this huge volume of sand and then they divided it by the volume of that little grain of sand. Are you with me? Okay, good. And they came out with a figure. Now, this is where, Brian, I'm hoping you might better pull up a Word document. And this is the figure they came up with. It was seven quintillion, five quadrillion. Okay, and whilst looking, that actually is 7.5 followed by, no, 7.5 followed by 17 zeros. Anybody want to? You know, argue with me on that one? No, okay. Okay, so seven with, um, don't worry if you can't. Just imagine, okay, we have got seven with 17 zeros, okay? So that's, that is the, the grains of sand on the, all the beaches in all, you know, the whole world. Um, and now we've got to consider how many stars in the heavens. So what they did was they decided they weren't going to do it with um, um, just with one telescope view. They decided they were going to go deeper than that because by that time we've got Hubble. Hubble telescope, yeah? Okay, and Hubble can see so very, very deeply and they have to account, of course, for the red stars, the dwarf red stars, because they're quite dim. You all knew that. Yes, you all knew that dwarf red stars were quite dim, okay? And so they had, and there's more of those than normal stars, apparently. So they had to account for that. Now, if you've got just one view, so you've got one view in the telescope, 
you've got to imagine that there's all those other views all around the whole world, okay? So they've had to multiply that up. So they managed to count. Okay, I'm going to cut the story short, all right? They found that in our galaxy, there was probably about between 400 and 200, 200 and 400 billion stars. Well, I mean, what's a few billion between friends, okay? But, of course, what we know is... Oh, look, well done! Okay, um, that's... Uh, we're going to count 17 now. We're going to trust. Okay, um, so there are um, that many in our galaxy, but we all know, don't we, that we are not the only galaxy. And I don't know whether you can ping back between the pictures or not, but can you just show them the, the picture of... Now, that looks like stars, but it's not. It's actually galaxies. Okay, that's just one view. Extra deep space Hubble, one view. That's the galaxies. Okay, now they do reckon that there's probably now about 200 galaxies for every man, woman, and child on the Earth's surface. <laughs> Are you boggled? Because <laughs> I am totally boggled. But what it comes to apparently is something like 70 sextillion. What did I say before? Yeah, I did it. I, that's right. I was doing quintillions, wasn't I? And quadrillions. But this is um, sextillions. And that is um, a seven followed by 23 zeros. Two, three, four, five, six. He's doing them. Okay. So, so, in fact, we can say from that bit of research, which we have complete faith in, that there are more stars in the heavens than there are grains of sand on the beaches. So Carl Sagan was right in the 1980s, wasn't he? Okay, again, you ask me, what's all this about? Okay, um, it's just to say that despite the hugeness of it all, that when David laid back, looked up at the stars and said, who are we that you are mindful of us? Who are we? Who are we that God is mindful of us? And I must admit, I have asked that question. Who am I, Lord, out of all the people in Kent, in Tunbridge Wells, out of all the people in here, who am I, Lord, that you would care for me? And the amazing thing is he is. He is totally besotted by each one of us. Just as Clementine's mum is besotted by her, God is besotted by us, each one of us. And we can be defined by who God thinks we are. So we've had our genes defining us. We've had our influence defining us. We've had who we think we are defining us. But it's God defining us, which makes the difference. And if we want to know just how special we are in God's eyes, we've got this. All right? And we're going to look at it. And, we, and I'm going to read it from here quite slowly. And you can look at it as well. Because what this is saying is that, and this is referenced in the Bible, you are his own special possession. If you read it, say I in your head. I'm going to continue with the you's because I know I'm going to mess it up because it got you written here. Okay, so you are chosen, handpicked by God, who created the universe, handpicked by God, who created the universe. You are treasured. You are irreplaceable. You are loved beyond compare. You are worth dying for. You are forgiven. You are his child. You are secured for all eternity. 
you are set free. You are precious to him. You are set apart. So just think about that for a minute. Don't skim over it. If you want to read that list again, just come up to the table here afterwards. I've got a few copies on there. Or if you want to photograph them, you know, so you've got them on your phone, there they are. If ever you want to know what God thinks of you, of God, what he thinks you are, what he thinks I am, you've just got to have a look at that. It's written there. And this is who you are. This is your identity. Once you've said, Lord, you are my saviour. Jesus was born. We celebrated that. I'm still celebrating. All right. Um, he died and he rose again. And he died for our sins. And as soon as we accepted that, we had that identity in Christ. We had this. And it's who you are for always. It doesn't alter. It doesn't change. It's who you are for always. This is your identity when you're sitting at the lunch table. This is your identity when you're upstairs in your room on your own. This is your identity when you're sitting on that train every morning. This is your identity when you're sitting in that traffic jam trying to get to work. This is your identity when you're completely distracted. This is your identity when you get a bad mark in a test, when you didn't make it into the team, when you didn't get the uni of your choice, when you didn't get the job you applied for. This is you when you messed up so badly you think that nothing can be done about it. But yet God still thinks all of that about every single one of us. The question is, though, or the statement is that we have to believe that. He said it. This is our gift. This is the gift he's given us of who we are in him. Right? On the good days, it's easy to believe that, isn't it? But when the bottom drops out of our world, it's not always so easy. But we've got to live as though we know that deep down in our hearts all the time. It's who we are. It's who we always be, will be. And we need to be living our lives in that identity. I mean, when's the last time you looked at yourself and thought, ah, I'm God's special chosen child. <laughs> We've got to start doing that, guys. We've got to start looking in that mirror and not seeing you know, the tatty head or the spot or whatever. But we've got to look in that mirror and say, I am God's special child. Stick one of these by your mirror at home. So when you're doing your hair or whatever you're doing, I don't know, you can look at that and know who you are. Because God doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't make mistakes. We are, each of us, his masterpieces chosen by his hand. And I'm just going to finish now by reading a little tiny bit here out of Zephaniah. And it says... The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Amen.